Happy New Year, everybody. I didn't think I'd make it to 2023. I don't know how the rest of you feel, but here we are. Can you believe it? There's a whole whole, uh, new year in front of us. Glad that you could be with us today. I love the way we've set things up. I'd like to do this more often. Uh, I want to thank Julia's for catering this thing for us. They did a great job. And uh, again, uh, they just did a, it was an excellent, excellent job. And I appreciate everybody that volunteered to set things up. I know that we had a lot of folks up here setting up tables and chairs. And then we had some folks decorated. And I want to thank Sue and the rest of the ladies, you know, great decorations. Great to have uh, a festive atmosphere at the beginning of this year. Well, let's see here. We're going to try to get out of here as soon as we can. Um, I know we got kids and, and there's things to do. The New Year doesn't wait for us. Um, I don't know about you, but I love new things. I like new things. I'm not saying I won't take something from eBay, a used thing, but we all like the new stuff, right? It's clean. It's crisp. Everything really works best most of the time. And there's just something about having new things. A new gadget uh, is a good thing to have. Maybe new clothes. And uh, so it makes sense that when we say Happy New Year, we smile. Because it is something that gives us pleasure. It's a, it's a great time of year. New Year's Day is a clean slate. When you stop and think about it, I was talking today. We were talking about Forrest Gump. Remember in the bar and the, one of the ladies looks at the, as the ball's coming down and goes, yeah, everybody gets a second chance because it's New Year's Day. And that's true. So it's no surprise that uh, New Year's begins with celebration, fireworks, some gunfire. I mean, all kinds of interesting things happening. I heard last night out in my neighborhood. I thought, you crazy people. We're hunkered down in the basement. But, you know, it's, but, but it makes sense because it should be celebrated. It's the start of something because everyone gets to start over. It's a fresh start. We dream best on January 1st when you stop and think about it. We make our plans, how we're gonna, how we're, what we're gonna do. We set goals. We say things like, this year I'm going to, and maybe it's something like, I'm gonna get in shape. Or I'm going to finally clean out that room and we're going to purge some things and get rid of some things. Or maybe it's a financial decision or a financial goal. I'm going to work. I'm going to save. I'm going to spend less and work on my finances. I got to thinking about this. God loves Christmas and he adores Easter and he likes New Year's Day because God is the God of fresh starts. It makes sense he would like this holiday as well. And that's because he was the originator of Fresh Starts. If you've got your notes with you there, and you can look up here on the screen, look at a couple of verses here. Israel is going through the ringer, and they're about to come out of their captivity. And look what he says to a a minor prophet in Zechariah 10. God says, I'll save the people of Joseph. He says this to God's people. I'll save the people of Joseph. I know their pain, and I'll make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing had ever happened. Why? Because I am their God, and I'll do what needs to be done for them. And Hosea says that he's a contemporary, says this, I'll make a fresh start with Israel. He'll burst into bloom like a crocus in the spring. He says, Israel, I'm going to start you over, and you're going to burst like the very first blooms in springtime. And if you know anything about crocuses, that's the very first flower that pops. It's They're beautiful. 
So as we look at this new year, this clean, fresh day that we have a whole clean, untouched year ahead of us, I want to ask you a question. Do your plans, do your goals include God? In fact, how many of your plans and how many of your goals will include His church? Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 16. It says, you should make plans. I know some people say, I don't like making New Year's resolutions. I'm not into that. Well, the Bible says you should. You should make plans. And then it says, counting on God to direct us. And this year is a pivotal year, I think, in the history of our church. Uh, we're wanting to do some, we're wanting to do some bold things this year. And we're wanting to do some things we always want, set goals for every year. And we're hoping and we're praying. Alan and Gary and I are praying and hoping that God will direct us. I know we set our plans, but God directs the steps. And we're counting on God to step in and do that very thing. For example, we're wanting to add some small groups to our church. It's going to take some leadership to do that. We're wanting to add a ministry or two. I've really, really uh, been grateful for, for the uh, Compassion in Action ministry. How many of you have been involved in that ministry? Raise your hands. Has it been a blessing in your life? Yeah, you're on the front line. It is so cool. We're wanting to see a couple of other ministries begin that start to meet needs around here. We're also wanting to improve our efforts to reach the lost. One of the top ten trends of churches, the number one trend that all churches are facing in America right now, is they're, they're going to ramp up their evangelism. But they're doing it, they're doing it because their future depends on it. I am telling you, Greater Alton Church is not like any other church. I'm not concerned about our future so much as the future of people out there that don't know Jesus. And that's why we're ramping up. That's why we want to reach people. We want to, we want to somehow stir you and equip you and encourage you to share your faith with your friends, with your neighbors, and with strangers. Another thing we're wanting to do this year is we're wanting to better equip our members for, for the work of God. Again, typically in a lot of churches, and maybe you grew up in one of them, I did, the preacher did the work. A leader did the work. A demon, I mean deacon, did the work. There's enough demons in the church. But, but you know, I'm saying it's usually the leaders are doing the work. They always say 20% of the church does 80, 90% of the work. I remember when Greater Alton, it was 80% of people doing everything. And I want, I just want you to know it's, we're commanded as the leadership here is commanded. And if you're a small group leader, a ministry leader, not just an elder, not just a preacher. If you're a father or a parent, a mother, if you're a leader in God's kingdom, you know what we're, the, the in Ephesians 4 it says that God appointed leaders in the church to equip God's people for works of service. I, listen, I know we're, you know, Jesus, ultimate leader. What did he do? He grabbed a towel. We're going to be talking about the 10 laws of leadership this Thursday with anybody that's a ministry leader or people are interested in leadership to come out here at the church. And, and one of, one of those laws I want to talk about is the law of the towel to lead. You've got to serve. That's, that's obvious, right? And I want, you know, the leadership here wants to be servants, but we're not at your beck and call. 
That's not the primary reason we have leaders in the kingdom. The purpose of the leader is to equip you for work in God's kingdom. So if they get a little pushy, they irritate you a little bit, they challenge you, they confront you, they're doing their job. It's not that they should visit the hospitals. We all should be visiting the hospitals. But we're wanting to ramp that up. We're trying to figure out classes and ways and teachable moments where we, we, all, we can learn from someone else. I hope you'll, I hope you'll think about and be so curious about how can I learn something. I can learn something from reading a book, but I can really learn something from taking a look at a person and walking with them and learning how to do this stuff. There's another thing we're wanting to do, and that's step up our efforts to develop leaders. That's why we're going to have more leadership direction. Because we know it's important. The church rises and falls with the work, of course, with the Spirit of God. But its leadership determines so much. And so we're going to be making effort and and trying to uh, equip our leaders and raise up more leaders. We're not interested in people that are after position, after a title. We're after people that will pick up that towel and be that servant and that example. Gary's going to share a few more things with us. We want you to know that's ahead of us. Go ahead, Gary. For the past 18 plus years since we began to build this building here at Greater Alton, um, because our payments started long before the building was ever done, we've been very strapped by finances. Okay, in that time, uh, we've... uh, most of you don't know, or a lot of you don't know, we spent approximately $1.4 million uh, to build the facility that you're in right now, in this big and this small dome. And we built, did it at a time where we had made a commitment to support another ministry uh, for two years. And it's been a very big challenge. Greater Alton in the last 18 years has went through many changes. Uh, I call it a transition period. I believe God has clearly led us to where we are. And uh, the question is always, where do we go, especially with regards to finances? And so we've got some plans here that we want to talk about very briefly. I'm going to mention them to you, and I want to qualify this real quick. We plan on having a meeting uh, midweek uh, in the, at the end of January to go over more details of this. I'm sure some of the things I'm going to talk about, people are going to have questions about. And raise hands, and how are you going to do that? And those are valid questions. And that's why we're planning this meeting. So I want to qualify this uh, of what we're going to do. But we're really looking at doing about three things. first one is we are wanting to add staff. As most of you know, we've, we've made a commitment to uh, hiring Sydney Sakempi. Go up. Stand up, Sydney. She is here for the weekend. Specifically to work with our middle schoolers. Uh, with an eye towards the high school, we, we don't know how that's going to go. I mean, guys, we are really, I believe that when you move in faith, you are moving in a direction without all the specifics. I've heard uh, one, one theologian describe it as a, sign point, a signpost pointing into the fog. It gives you direction, but you don't know how it's going to go. And we believe that by faith, God has opened the door for Sydney to be available for her to connect with us. Um, just so you guys know, her and her husband have committed to moving up here. The, they're going to be staying with Susan and I at our house 
Was it two weeks? Three weeks? Three weeks. Mark turned in his resignation uh, for his job uh, just this last week. And in case you're unfamiliar with the situation, I know most of you are. Mark is working on getting his citizenship here in America. He's from Uganda. And they are moving here in faith, not knowing how that's all going to go. Because when he moves up here, he is unable to legally take another job until he gets something moved forward with the citizenship process. Have I stated that correctly? Okay. And so, guys, they're moving in faith. They believe that what they see here is where they want to be in ministry at. And so we are both moving forward in faith. We want to add staff, but we don't want to stop there. Uh, like I said, we have an eye towards the teens as well. And we'll be going over more details of that. We want The second thing we want to do is we want to fund ministries. What do you mean by that? Well, there's the teen ministry, the campus ministry, um, several ministries, the benevolence ministry. They're, they're, they are always looking for funds. They always have financial needs to perform ministry with. And even the, the children's ministry, I know I get money every now and then as treasurer. Of, it's an it's a envelope of change primarily, a few dollars where somebody has saved their aluminum cans. Uh, for the, and we want to fund these ministries where they have a budget of money to work with. They know what they have and they're not strapped wondering what to do and, and, and having to pull out of their own pockets. And so presently, Tim and Al and I have been working on a budget that's going to be presented uh, at the end of the month. And it is also going to be, you know, specifically the, the plan for that is to fund the different ministries so they have access to funds. In the past, basically the last 18 years, what's been consistent is let's just get our bills paid. And our bills have been dominated by two things, the two big commitments that we made and we believe we needed to honor. One is to the, to the payroll of the staff, and the other is to our mortgage payment. As I told you, those payments started around $14,000. We're presently making a payment of $6,600 a month through refinancing. Uh, as contributions have done down, have went down. You know, we also made the hard, con- the hard decision uh, three years ago uh, to lay Mike Kiffmeyer off. On staff, it was on staff. Had been on staff for many years, because we just felt it was the financially responsible thing. We hated to do it. Mike had been a servant of the church for a number of years, and we hated to do that. But we're wanting to move in another direction now, in the in the positive direction, and uh, and to do that by faith. Uh, the last thing we want to do, and this really ties in, or the big thing we're planning, is a special contribution. Uh, the, again, now details of this will be made, but with an eye towards paying off the mortgage on the church. Okay? The budget we are presently working on comes to, uh, there's a deficit on the budget we're working on of approximately $5,000 a month. That includes Sydney's salary. Okay? Now we are... We presently we have a we have reserves of between seventy and eighty thousand dollars that bounces around there, and obviously that's been going down. It will continue to be going down. Um, but we looked with the building payment is sixty six hundred dollars. So obviously, if we get the building paid off, that that alleviates that shortfall right away. Um, but guys, we have some bigger plans. We believe God wants us to do more to move forward in faith. And so we want to include everybody in this. Presently, we owe on the mortgage $235,000. And it goes down every month by about $5,800. 
And so you can see very clearly. And there's some other things we're talking about, we're working on, we're looking at. Uh, some of them are more of a personal personal level. But we are, we're looking at getting the church in a better financial position and to do that by faith. And honestly, guys, we want to include all of you in that. That's one of the things that Greater Alton has been known for and I'm very proud of is our past is individuals have made personal financial sacrifices in faith to move the ministry forward. And guys, we want to do that as well. Uh, we want to uh, include you all in that. Now, most of it, if you just think about the, the, the fact that the budget is going to fall $5,000 per month short, you say, how are we going to do that? Okay, we've already talked about paying off the, the building. But, guys, what we're trying to do is present a vision that we are going to be moved forward by in faith. And faith, you don't know all the details. You believe, you are convinced that God wants you to move in a direction and we believe that God wants us to move in the direction of these plans and that we trust him to provide. We trust him how he's going to do it. And so, guys, that's the plan that we're looking at. How's that going to happen? How's all this going to happen here on the very first day of uh, 2023? Well, I know we, we can talk about it and go, yeah, yeah. Well, there's got to be more than yeah going on, right? Sure. How do we do that? Well, I think it's, it starts with when we take and we, we make together a commitment to take advantage of this year. And let me explain what I mean. I think there's four commitments I'd like to call you all to. I'd like to encourage you to make this year. There are four commitments I'm going to make, and I hope you can do the same. The first one is that I'll learn from the mistakes I made last year. <laughs> Anybody make some mistakes last year? Oh, yeah. And if you don't remember any, I'm sure the person next to you will remind you. Sure, we make all mistakes. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 28. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, look what happens. He sets himself up for what? Another chance. And so if we learn from the mistakes from last year, any mistakes you've made, any mistakes I've made, if we'll learn from these, man, it just sets us up great for us awesome year you know it's good to look back church it's good to look back in fact yesterday was all about looking back everything from barbara walters and pope benedict dying to the very first movie star that died as the beginning of the year all the all the news feeds all of the highlights all the world events but when i when it comes to looking at my mistakes i don't know how you are i just want to get them behind me as fast as possible and as far away as possible. You know what I'm talking about? That's what we all would like to do. I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know if it's a great idea. Oh, I just want, you know, Kuna Matata, I want to get behind me. You know, I like that idea. Just, I don't even want to think about it. Let's just, let's quit bringing it up. Let's just, but it happened just a day ago. No, no, let's, just, let's keep going. Let's, let's just forget about all that and let's keep looking forward. Well, the problem with that is that a lot of times when we're hasty by not looking at last year, I'm only left with guilt rather than growth. A quick look will make me feel guilty. But if I'll look long enough, I might grow from it. It's, sometimes it's just great to look at our mistakes. And that's why I think, I mean, I mean the, God just makes it clear. Don't be so quick to get these mistakes behind you. Don't be afraid to look at them because when you take time to look at them, 
That's when you learn. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 11. If you refuse to learn from your mistakes, you will be poor. If you, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're going to make them again and again and again and again. And it doesn't look like it's a good outcome, does it? But if we learn from them, oh, it enriches our life. I've, I, this is my, my experience. I'm 65 and I've learned something. And, and, uh, this is my 65th, 66th, 60, I can't remember, 66th New Year's Day. And I'll tell you something I've learned. And that is that I, I have learned more from my mistakes than my successes. And I've made, you say, you must have learned a lot. Yeah. Sometimes I had to learn it again and again. You know what I'm talking about. There's something about you, when you do it wrong or you make a mistake, oh, now I know what to do next time. It has a bit bigger impact. There's a lot of good experience that you and I get from our errors. There's a story about a young fellow who was taking the place of a bank president. And he said, I, he wanted to ask him a question. He said, I'd like to know, what are the keys of your success? And the, and the older gentleman looked at him and replied, young man, I can sum it up in two words, good decisions. So the young man responded, well, thank you for that answer. Well, how do you know which are the good decisions? And the, the old man said, one word, young man, experience. Well, that's great, said the young fellow. But how does one get experience? And the old fellow said, in two words, bad decisions. And it's when we make these bad decisions and we learn from them. And I, I, I think I got on your notes this, this thing. Instead of looking for who to blame, look how to make it better. We do this at C&W all the time. We put in auto glass. And the last two weeks, I lost $5,000 in broken glass. $5,000 in broken glass. We just were all thumbs from, from Christmas, you know, the week of Christmas and this past week. I had one guy break a wind, mess up a windshield. It cost 14, it cost a thousand dollars. Another person, uh, put in a windshield back in 2019, started leaking. He's trying to pull it without breaking it. My best man, 30 years experience. Do you know who that is? He goes, I can't believe it, Tim. I had one inch left to go. One inch. And I broke the glass. It's only going to cost us $1,400. And the lady said, well, my stick shift busted in the console and I had to replace it and it's going to cost $1,200. So there's, do the math. I'm tired of doing the math. And then another guy, I broke this. Sorry, it happens. $5,000 worth of stuff. And here's what I said to each of them, and I don't have to say it to my brother anymore. Here's what I learned. Blaming who broke something, finding out who got, get to the bottom and find out whose fault it is, is a waste of time. Because I already know who to blame for my mistake. Me. So don't worry about who to blame. You say, well, no, it was my spouse and my kids. No, no, no. Figure out how to make it better. And I've asked these guys, so what can we do to make it better? Well, I need to be more careful. There's a good start. And we, and that's what we've been doing for years. Learning how to be, how can we do this better? How can we do this better? Still going to make mistakes. Everybody makes them. We'll talk about it some more next week. But instead of looking at who's at fault, try to figure out how to make things improve it. When you look at your mistakes. 
question I have for you this morning is, if you could do something different last year, what would it be? I think there's a list there. Of You could check if you want to. I mean, would you like to be in your Bible more consistently? Or maybe you'd like to be more available? Maybe it's your prayer life that you're wanting to deepen. You want to be, volunteer more, be available? Maybe it's something like, I just want to be more positive person. I tend to be an Eeyore, a negative person. I want to be more positive. Or maybe I need to encourage people better. I need to encourage our teenagers, encourage our senior citizens. Or maybe it's, I just want to be braver. I want to do something bold and crazy and just a leap of faith. I just want to try something else instead of just the same old boring, mundane approach. I don't want to play it safe anymore. Or maybe you're simply saying, you know, I I want to be a better steward. Or maybe I just need some more humility. I need to learn to, to lead and I need to learn to serve with humility. I don't know which one it is. I don't know what you would do differently. There's probably more than the list on your, on your uh, bulletin there. But can I tell you this? 2023 is your chance to do it over, to do it differently, to, to try something else. Why not? What have you really got to lose? That's the first commitment I want to ask you to make. Look at your mistakes and learn from them and say, I don't want to make that one this time. Number two, I will sharpen my spiritual skills. That's the second commitment I need to make. All of us here, I mentioned to you earlier, the leadership of this church is really to help equip you. In fact, that's our theme this year is to be fully equipped for every good work. I don't know about you. I love, I watch a lot of YouTube. I work on my cars. I work on my kids' cars. I work on the shop. And if you want to learn something, just go to YouTube. It's made us all smarter. You got to admit. I've even got the no-nonsense mechanic. And somebody on there said, man, he's angry. He said it more colorfully. But, and I was just like, let's cut to the chase and do this. Why? Because it's, you can learn a lot if you, I don't want to hear about your kittens. I don't want to hear about your whatever. I want to hear about what you're doing to the car. Okay? And they always say this, to do this job, you will need the following tools. I have a toolbox and it's got a lot of tools in it and it's fully equipped. I can take any windshield, work on your car, Everything's in that bag. Everything you want to do. I mean, look at this. It's got a, here's a, there's a knife. There's a cold knife you can cut out glass with. Here is a pink ratchet. You know why I painted it pink? Nobody ever takes it. I got pliers. I've got a special bump knife. I mean, I got all this cool stuff. Even got a cup here. I mean, I've got all this neat. These are specialty tools. And I'll tell you something I notice. Some of these tools are expensive. That's a $90 suction cup. That's a wood suction cup. 90 bucks. I'm like, man, what's the deal? These, these cold knives, you can't even get them anymore. And if you do find one, and they know it's rare, they want like 100, 200 bucks for this little knife. I learned something. Some tools are very expensive. And if you want them, you better pay the price. Otherwise, you don't have them. There are some skills in the kingdom that have a price tag. And if you want it, and church, we desperately need more people that have more tools and the best tools. We want to provide that. If you want that, if we want a church like that, we're going to have to pay pay the price. Because these kind of tools are expensive. The better the tool, the higher the price. So the question is, am I willing to pay the price to be equipped? 
Am I willing? Am I willing to learn and grow and get the skills and let somebody, let somebody be close enough to me to go, you need a different tool. Every once in a while I'll go with the guys out to put a glass in. I'm going, where's your, where's your blah, blah, blah tool? Oh, I don't have one of those. You don't have one of those? You gotta have that tool. How do you do it? Well, I usually take a hammer. No, we don't, we're glass people. What are you doing? No, you gotta, you need this tool. Let me get that for you. Or we lose the tool. We'll lose it. What happened to it? I don't know. I got careless and I lost it. Well, you still need that tool. Let's go find it. You see the parallel here, church? I'm going to talk about spiritual skills, talking about our character and, and behavior and ways we do things the way God meant us to do and meant us to be. These all really matter. Look at the Bible says here. Train yourself to serve God, he tells a young man named Timothy. You see, I share some of the responsibility for how equipped I'm going to be. Not all of it, but quite a bit of it. I know, I know, I've had people say, hey, Tim, show me how to do something, and they proceed to tell me how it should be done. How's that going to work? I've had people work for me. You know, you can show me how to put in glass, but after you're done, I'll do it my way. They don't work for me. I don't think God feels any different. Yeah, listen, I've got a way I want, I want, I need you to humble yourself, be teachable, be available, get yourself in here. There's only so many things you can learn from reading. You've got to be with somebody and let them show you how to do that. Look at this in 1 Timothy 4. Bodily exercise is all right, but spiritual exercise is much more important and is a tonic for all you do. So exercise yourself spiritually. And practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life, but in the next life too. It's not just I'm preparing, I'm preparing, uh, helping and doing things here on earth, but I'm also going to, in the next life, it's going to get me ready. I wonder sometimes, we always say, am I ready to go to heaven? Am I ready to go to heaven? Oh, I'm ready to go to heaven. Yeah, what are you going to do? You don't have any skills. Here, you stand here and just welcome people. That's it? Well, that's about all you can do. <laughs> I've got lots of things to do in heaven, Tim, and I want you to be prepared for that next life as well. I just imagine what would happen if every one of us, listen, every one of us got serious about growing. What would happen to this church? I was listening to someone, he was talking about uh, surfers, and it made me remember a time when Denise and I went to Hawaii and we were on Oahu and uh, we drove to the North Shore where they were surfing. All these guys were surfing. And uh, huge waves. ESPN was there. And there were like 50 surfers out on the ocean. And I noticed all of them looking out toward the ocean. They weren't looking at the shore. They're looking out there. I'm thinking, what are they doing? And all of a sudden, out of the blue, one of them... You could see him start to get excited. He'd start paddling, and then he would stand on the board, and he was on this wave. Everybody else kind of watched him. And then all of a sudden, we're watching again. Here comes two two guys spring up. They see something. They start paddling, two of them, and everybody else is watching. What's going on there? And they ride this huge wave, 20, 30-foot waves. I couldn't believe how big these things were. I watch them crash and burn, and the lifeguards would come out in ski boats and and pick them up and, and take them to safety. 
It was crazy. We watched for hours going, this is fascinating. I was trying to figure out what was going on there and it hit me. Um, it was pointed out to me this. You don't see any surfers, whether you're you know, on the Laguna Beach, watching Laguna Beach surfing, or in Hawaii, you don't see surfers going, Hey, dude, if we splash your arms a lot, maybe we can make a wave. They don't do that. Surfers don't make waves. God makes the waves. Surfers only ride them. They recognize, they're looking for them, and when they see one, they get excited, and they they hop up, and they start surfing. Did you know over 4,300 waves crash a beach every day? Over 4,300 waves crash a beach. Small, large, all kinds of sizes. And I realized something as I listened to this, that God makes the waves. I don't. I got to admit to you, for years, I'm not proud of this, I've been trying to make the wave. I've been telling you all, let's make some waves. Now, I'm not saying we can't make an opportunity at work or something like that. I get that. But God's the one that's always making the waves. You and I don't make the waves. And you know what? All we can do is be ready when they come. Because they're coming whether we want them to or not. Whether we ride them or not, the waves are coming. Waves of opportunities to love people, to serve in our community, to serve in our church. Waves to invite folks to church, to open our Bible with somebody. Waves to give in a crazy, radical way. Ways to study our own Bible and learn some deep truth. A, a wave to deepen our faith by trying something we've never tried before. Waves are coming, folks, to listen, to direct others. Waves to sacrifice. And the question simply is, and God sent a ton of them in 2022. And he's going to send a ton of them in 2023. Are you looking for that wave? Because it's coming. And will you get excited enough to say, I'm going to give that a try? Let me give you an example. During the men's retreat, I had a young man come up to me afterwards and say, Tim, would you show me how to do the Lord's Supper? Would you teach me some things? I've always wanted to do that. And I really would like to try. I said, sure. And so we got together for a few weeks. And I'm going to let Drew Orr come up here and lead us as we take the Lord's Supper. Very first time. Good morning, Greater Alton. And New Year, New Communion Server. I'm really excited, so I'm just going to jump right into it. We've all played games in our lives. You know, board games, card games, video games, sports. And it's just a fun way to spend time with people. And usually in these games... There's a winner and a loser. And it's really fun being the winner. All right. In video games, the winner usually gets called things like champion, victor, number one. We're just plain winner. And it feels good. We're people who like to win. No matter how hard we got to work for it or what we got to sacrifice for it. We're also people who remember the winners, not the losers. When Jesus went to the Last Supper, 
he said a phrase that we're very familiar with nowadays, do this in remembrance of me. Luke 22, 19. Now, our usual go-to when we hear this is, you know, when he went on the cross and all the suffering he went through all the way there. And rightfully so. But for this little team we call Christians, it's also a time when we're supposed to remember the victory he got us. While on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. John 19.30. Now, this was not a cry of pain. This was not a cry of defeat. No, 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 no. This was a declaration of victory. With this, Jesus paved us away back to our Father. Even the book of Revelation is a book of victory. Jesus Christ on his throne. Now that is how you picture a victor. Our victor. Our king on his throne. Let's face it. A lot of us were on the sidelines at Calvary. We were supposed to be in the center of the action. We were supposed to be on the cross. But thanks to our king, our God, sent in a substitute. And thanks to that action, we got a victory. His victory. Today, as we gather around the bread and the juice, let us remember that victory Jesus got us. The victory over death, victory over sin, victory over selfishness, and the promise of eternal life. Let's go to our Father in prayer. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your team. You're the one who did all the heavy lifting, and still you want us to be a part of your family. You truly are the most amazing king anyone could ever ask for. Please continue to guide us as we go through our lives that we can properly represent you and that we, we can show others the true, that your kingdom is the true victor. Help us show the lost how good it feels to be a part of the winning team. Amen. My eyes are fixed on you, oh Lord. Your loving face I see. I set my heart hard after you, and I'll follow faithfully. Each weight I lay aside, by grace I
this one passage to you it's in, it's found in hebrews chapter one and this is what we're talking about by, by this idea of being fully equipped this year here's how the hebrew writer says this now may the god of peace who brought up from the dead our lord jesus the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood may he equip you with all you need for doing his will may he produce in you through the power of jesus christ Every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. The reason I read that to you is because I believe that uh, it's not just important that we sharpen our skills, but if we're wondering if, if, we can, if, if, if I can, God will help you and I. He will give you, he will equip you with the tools you need. You just need to trust him. Here's the third commitment. I will step out in faith. I will step out in faith. I'd like to say I take a bold step in faith, really. You know, uh, as we walk with the Lord, every once in a while, we got to take a big step. Personally, take a step up, a step aside, a step down, a step over, a step in. They're filled with all these different kinds of steps, and, and, and they all can take faith. And I just want to want to encourage you, Greater Alton Church, to take a bold step this year, trusting the Lord. 
Jesus said this to a man who was stuck for a long time. He said these words, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And that's still true. He makes a promise that what you're going to accomplish, I can do all things through Christ. Paul said he, he discovered that when I put my faith in Christ, according to my faith, he will deliver. You see, when I step, when I step in faith, God steps into my life and helps me with the rest. With every weakness I got, whatever shortcomings I got, with all the questions I have, with all the uncertainty, he's those fog lights that we that we used this morning. I early this morning I was going to the to the shop and those fog was out and I'm like, ooh, what's this? Just God reminding me, the future's uncertain, Tim, without me, but it's certain with me. And it's when I take a step out, when I take a step in, God works. So what step will you make is very important. Doesn't have to be pretty. Done to be fancy, but you need to take a step, church. All of us here need to take that step. I want to challenge you to do that. Greater Alton has been through a lot in the last 10 years. When Gary said something about 18, I was like, that's true too. We've been through so much. 10 years ago, it felt like we just, like a train wreck. Like a train wreck. Everything was coming off the rails. I never felt so insecure and afraid in my life. Many of you probably felt the same way. We're watching things just go fall to pieces. Damage, things getting damaged, people leaving, attendance dropping, contribution dropping. We've had to cut staff. I don't know how you are, but my faith was shaken. Why am I here? I'm in the way. The church was sick. And I felt like a doctor from the 1800s in the 21st century. I didn't know what to do. And then COVID comes in. Talk about really messing us up. And I got to tell you, church, I felt like, I felt like sometimes, we, I felt like we were on life support. I remember one time Alan saying to me, how did you preach during all that? And I went, I went immediately, Alan, to, the, to my office and I pulled up all those sermons and I went, I don't know how I did that. I still don't know how I did that. But, you know, after a while, it seemed like the bleeding was beginning to stop. Anybody else notice that? That there, you started, you could feel a pulse. It was faint, but it was there. And the vital signs began to return. People were coming back. And this was a mind blower for me. A guest would actually come through the door. And I remember one time saying to a guest, what are you doing here? <laughs> That's the truth. It come out before I could stop it. What are you doing here? Well, I thought I'd check you guys out. Okay. And thinking, you don't want to be a part of us. We're messed up. We're screwed up. Our leadership isn't what it needs to be. We have liars in our leadership.
We have people hiding sin in our leadership. They're, they're leading the church in the middle of the desert. What do you think that does to your leader's confidence when you hear that stuff, stuff like that? And that wasn't just outside of our building. Why, why is everybody leaving, Tim? I had a member say it to me before they left. Why is everybody leaving? And I tried to answer. It wasn't a good enough answer. But then people started coming back. Ministries began to ramp up again. Wow. People were volunteering. I'm not saying we don't have signs of damage. Just go outside and look at our building. It's got signs of wear and tear. Right? Yeah. And inside, there's some signs of wear and tear on many of us. There's a faint bruise. Still there. You feel better, but you still have some black eye there. Still got a sore spot. You're scared. You're still scared. You don't want to go through that again. Maybe this is just me. But I just noticed that during our recovery, and we're still in recovery, like a patient who's been in bed a long time, they lose their muscle mass, their muscle tone, and they're weak. They're off the life support. You follow me? They're breathing on their own, but they've got a road ahead of them. I want you to know, just like the doctor that comes in a, a hospital room, and some of you have experienced this, the great physician... I just imagine a great physician comes into this church and goes, look, I think you're ready to step out of bed. I think you're ready to start walking. You've got to. You're not going to get stronger if you stay in bed. You follow me, church? But Lord, I'm scared and it's safe in this bed. It's safe just coming to church and it's safe just being served and it's safe by volunteering here and there. And I'm so busy now doing other things. I know we filled our schedule up with other things, didn't we? Used to the church filled our schedule. Well, we were doing too much. Yeah, well now what are we doing now? Too little? And I share the fear some of us have. I don't want to get close to anybody more. I don't want to share my faith and watch them get baptized and we sing we're part of a family only to watch them leave and be mad. And church, if we're going to get better, and we're, it's time. The great physician, I believe, is saying it's time to get out of bed. And in order to do that, you're going to have to f- face this fear. I'm promising you I'm going to face mine. But also the pain that residual pain that's there saying, don't move. Because if you're ever going to get strong, if you're ever going to have strength again and be able to do what, some things that God wants you to do, you've got to fight that fear and push through that pain. Much like Jesus did on the cross. Hebrews 12 says this, we don't enjoy being disciplined 
like I need the Bible to tell me that. <laughs> you know, come on. If, if, listen, if you have trouble believing the Bible, you're not going to go to this passage to prove your point. We don't enjoy being disciplined. Sure. It always seems to cause more pain than joy. That's an admission. The Hebrew said, it seems to cause more pain than joy. But later on, later on, those who learn, there it is, learn from that discipline, learn from my mistakes, have peace that comes from doing what is right. There's that step of faith. Then he says this, strengthen your tired arms and weak knees. He says, get out of bed and start walking again. I know some of you here have been banged up, some more than others. You have got to get well. You have got to. God wants you healthy. And if we'll all just work on, I'm going to take these steps as hard as it is, as scared as I am, this church will be healthy much more healthy and God can use it in some great ways. So it's making that commitment, that step of faith, like Drew did saying, Tim, I'm not, by the way, a step of faith doesn't mean you have to get up and talk in front of people. But you ought to see him afterwards. He's sitting down going, whoa, that was a head rush. I go, yeah, I'm about to go back in it. You know, and he's like, man, I said, so I'll see you next week. We'll work on the second one. Can't wait. And I'm just, and he's going to talk to you, Mike, about getting in the rotation. But I just, I'm just saying sometimes a step, a step is simply, I'm going to volunteer and get involved in this ministry. Or a step of faith is, I'm not going to hit and miss my small group. I'm going to be a part and I'm not going to suck it dry. I'm going to try to help it grow. And I'm going to take a step in, in, Learning how to study with people. Learning how to lead better. I'm going to take a step of faith that says my bank account is is under suspicion now. And I'm going to start working on that. And I'm going to start increasing my contribution. That's the first time I've mentioned anything about money this year. (laughs) So in case you wonder, we talk about money too much. Okay. So take that step. Here's the last thing and then we're going to go. We're going to leave. I will get back up and start again. This is critical. The beginning of a parade is always exciting. The beginning of a race is always exciting. Pow! There they go. You know, and the end, I mean, it's exciting too, isn't it? Ah, they come through the tape and they're coming and they're exhausted. There's a lot of excitement in both ends. That middle part's the tough part. Because it's in the middle where you're far enough away from the beginning and far enough away from the ending. You just, everything looks the same and it's kind of confusing. It's like, I don't know, am I ever going to get anywhere? Am I ever going to get to the end of this? And we have these setbacks, see, as we run. Cramps, pain, we get winded. And so it is in a year. We start off, maybe start off gangbusters, but then after a few weeks or a few months, we begin to go, I don't know. And we lose our focus and we're back in 2022. I want to again encourage you 
um, when you feel like you fell flat on your face, when you fall short, I didn't have a quiet time. I didn't show up for this. I messed up here. Get back up and start where you fell. That's what a fresh start is. That's what a fresh start is. Look what the Bible says here. God gives a hand to those down on their luck and gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. And there's times when I blow it, I go, man, I'm done. I don't know how many times the last several years I'm driving home by myself on 255 crying saying, God, I'm done. I'm done. And t- talking to the Lord and talking to others. And they'll say, no, Tim, you're not done. Bob Hawkins will say, what are you talking about? You're not dead yet. He had neither too. You know, that's kind of encouraging. But when you think about quitting, we think about quitting when we fail. We think about quitting when we fall. And the Bible says, man, God's going to help you. And he'll get you, get you back on your feet. And when you're down, when you're down for the count and everybody thinks you're done, stick a fork in him. Stick a fork in Greater Alton. They're never going to do much. They're never going to be much. Just remember, God's there going, oh no, get right up here. We don't start at go. Don't pass go and go to, or go to jail. You don't, none of that. You don't go back to the very beginning. No, you start right where you fell and you take it up where you left off and you move on. Look what the Bible says here. Even if good people fall seven times, if, if, Good people fall. Even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. I think this translation says they will get up again. Why? Because God will help them and God will help you. If you mess up, you screw up, you fail, get up, keep going. Perseverance is a commitment you make to persevere. And so if we, as we face this year, just like last year, there's going to be some stuff we didn't plan to happen and it happens. Here we are. Father time looks back and says, ooh. Baby New Year looks back and goes, ooh. Look what's ahead. It's already clean, new, pristine, and ready to be lived. And still we're going to have, you're going to have a setback or two. Don't let that discourage you. Get back up. I want to ask some of you here, when you see somebody fall and ready to quit, help them back up. Help them back up. And let's have a great start in 2023. Now, here's what we're going to do as we close out. Usually I pray, I say, let us pray, and we all bow our heads. And I lead us in prayer. But I want to ask you, if you would, pray at your table or pray with some people at your table about what, we, what we've talked about today. Maybe pray over your notes. Pray over some scripture. Maybe ask God to help you reveal to you what kind of bold step you need to take. And we're going to close out our service doing that. And then when Alan senses it's time to sing, we'll have a closing song and you'll be on your way. Happy New Year, Greater Alton. Oh, let's see what we can do. Amen. Let's see what happens, okay? With this heart open wide from the depths, from the heights, I will bring a sacrifice. With these hands lifted high, hear my song, hear my cry, I will bring a sacrifice.